Good morning. What a sweet morning of worship today. I invite you to open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Revelation. We're in Revelation chapter number 12 today. So I encourage you to open your Bible and follow along in your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter number 12. And uh, we'll begin with verse number 1. Revelation chapter number 12. We'll begin with verse number one. Today, we're thinking about the joy that we have in the Lord. And we have joy in our salvation. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ has won and secured our salvation? And that we have true joy in the Lord. Isaac Watts saying, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. We need to lift our voices and sing, because joy is in the world, because of what God has done for us in Christ. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods rock hills and plains, Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Listen, we don't have a defeated Savior, we have a living, victorious Savior. And the book of Revelation chapter 12 gives us great joy as we see the victorious Christ and God carrying out his work toward the final consummation of the ages. In verse number 12, chapter 12, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male, who's going to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Then... War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, who's called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, 
the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been thrown down. And they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. Then the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, and he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness where she was nourished for a time, times, and a half time. From his mouth the serpent spewed water like river flowing after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon had spewed from its mouth. So the dragon was furious with the woman, and he went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. Well, isn't this a curious story? Today we're going to unpack it together and look at it and first of all, we want us to, to look at the different characters in this great drama, this great story. The book of Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's filled with all kinds of signs and wonders. And, and it's like this and like this, descriptions and these great cosmic beasts. And what does it all about? And what is the message that's being told us? And so... Uh, without giving in to some kind of crippling literalism that wants to find out what every detail means. I don't think it was written in such a way. I think it was written as a descriptive of these great movements and, and fights and, and episodes and epics and, and, and wars and, and defeat and victory to show us that our God reigns and Jesus Christ will win the victory ultimately. But let's look at it together. First of all, notice the woman. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, chapter 12, verse 1. This was a great sign. It was a, a sign that appeared in heaven. And there's this woman, she's clothed with sun. The moon is under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now, who is this woman? Well, first of all, it's a great sign. It's a wonder. It's a, a great and wondrous truth, the NIV says. It's, it's very important. And so there are other women that are found in the book of Revelation. There's the woman Jezebel that's found in chapter 2, verse 20, which represents paganism. There's the scarlet woman in chapter number 17 that represents the apostate church. And there's the wife of the lamb that represents the true church in Revelation 19. But who is this woman? This sign, this woman appears. And some have had different views about this. 
in the Roman Catholic Church, it began to be taught with not much biblical reason that the woman here was Mary. But I don't think that that's correct interpretation, that it's not Mary. And then others have said, well, this is, uh, uh, this is the, tr the church. But no, the church gives birth to the child, and the child we know is the Messiah. And the church didn't give birth to the child, the Messiah. The Messiah gave birth to the church. So it's not the church. Well, who is this woman? In the Old Testament, Israel was known as the wife of the Lord, that the Lord had betrothed himself to her, had married her, and that she belonged to the Lord, the husband of, of Israel. And I think that that's who the woman is here. It is the nation of Israel, the people of God's covenant promise, the sons of Abraham, and God had promised that the, he would bless all the nations of the world through Israel. And indeed, Jesus comes from Israel. Amen? Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 54, Isaiah chapter 54, Isaiah 54, beginning with verse number 5. It says, indeed, your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of armies. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and wounded in spirit, a wife of one's youth when she's rejected, says your God. He says, I've made you to be my spouse. As a matter of fact, in the book of Jeremiah, She's referred to as an unfaithful wife to God, the nation of Israel. And similarly, in the book of Hosea, chapter number 2. If you have your Bible, you can look with me to Hosea, chapter 2, beginning with verse number 16. Hosea, chapter number 2, in Hosea chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 16. In that day, this is the Lord's declaration, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my Baal or Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth and they will no longer be remembered by their name. And on that day, I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, and the birds in the sky and the creatures that crawl on the ground. And I will shatter bow and sword and weapons of war in the land and will enable the people to rest securely. And I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. Wow. It's an intimate, personal relationship between God and Israel. Jesus was born of a Jewish family. 
from a Jewish home. He was taught Hebrew in the home. He was taken to the synagogue to learn and study and worship. He was taken to the temple to worship in Jerusalem. He ate kosher food. He was circumcised on the eighth day. His name means Jehovah is salvation. He is Jewish. He's a son of Israel, a son of David. Who is this woman? She is the nation of Israel. It says that she's clothed. She's radiant with the sun. Moon is underneath her feet. And there are crowns above her head like 12 stars. And this seems to be a very similar reference that's found in Genesis 37 to Joseph's dream. And remember when Joseph tells his brothers and his own father of this dream he has, and the dream is of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to me. <laughs> well, they were incensed by this dream. Even his father questions him and says, so your mother and your brothers are going to bow down before you? Little did he know, indeed that's true. So the 12 stars that this woman has on her crown, what are these? The 12 tribes of Israel. And this is Israel. Now notice, back to our text again today. She is pregnant. She's with child and she's travailing in labor. She's in the midst of agony to give birth to this child. And she cries out in her labor. The nation of Israel has suffered greatly in the past as God's chosen people. The nation has agonized, longed for, looked for the coming of the Messiah and God's rescue of his people and God's promises to be delivered and made true to them. That they would be set free from their oppressors. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to set us free. In the book of Romans, chapter number 9, do you have your Bible? Look with me. Romans chapter 9, and beginning with verse number 4. Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 4. They are Israelites, and to them belong... Now, Paul's talking about his own national people, about his, the, the Jews that he longs for. The great sorrow he has in his heart for them that they might come and turn to Christ. They're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. The Messiah comes through the Jews. Just as Jesus said to the woman in Samaria, salvation comes through the Jews. And it is the promise of God to Abraham. And he sent his son for us. Amen. We sing the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice! Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine 
Advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. You hear the longing. Do you hear the desire, the hunger, the looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, the promise of God? Amen. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Do you hear the longing, this woman travailing? Israel's travail, Israel's grief, Israel's sorrow. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. His dominion, dominion will be vast, and his 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 prosperity will never end. And he'll reign over the throne of his father David forever. And of his kingdom there'll be no end. And he will establish it and sustain it with justice and righteousness. From now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. Indeed, Israel has travailed. Israel has suffered. And the Israeli and the, Is and the Jewish people have suffered and longed for and looked forward to the coming of Messiah. They've been mistreated. Anti-Semitism isn't something new. It's something that they have known. Secondly, notice the dragon. Notice in in in. in Verse number three, then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven crowns. Now, who is this dragon? He's described as a red dragon, meaning death and bloodshed. He is a murderer, and he's been a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. We have no doubt who this is. We are giving it more clearly in other uh, detail later in this text. He is indeed Satan of old. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the liar. He is the thief. He is the devil himself. He is the one represented by this dragon. He brings pain to Israel. He not only that, he causes insurrection, has caused it in heaven. It says a third of the stars are wiped out of heaven, fall to the earth. What does this mean? I believe it's some past rebellion in which the, one of the angels of heaven Lucifer himself, Satan himself, leads an insurrection in heaven and, and angelic forces leave and become demonized. They are demonic beings, these angels of darkness. Indeed, he is against the woman and wants to kill her child. Verse 4, it says, His tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth 
so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. I think I have here a picture of a dragon in an artist's mind. You see the woman there. She has the crown with the 12 stars on her head. She has, is pregnant and expecting a child. And then this dragon with these heads and, and crowns is standing in front of her waiting to devour. What an awful picture of this pregnant woman. But does she seem to be fearful? No. But even though she has an enemy, God is going to take care of her. Amen? That it might devour her child. And it says, it says, and she gave birth to a son. A male who's going to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The dragon seeks to devour we're told in the scripture, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Anti-Semitism is nothing new to the Jewish nation. You remember when God was working, listening, hearing his children that were caught into captivity into Egypt for 400 years. Remember how Satan inspired Pharaoh, the king of Egypt? to have all the midwives to kill all of the baby boys born in Egypt, somehow trying to stop what God was doing, his redemptive purpose for his children. Remember, remember how he gave the command that all the babies would be killed, the Jewish babies killed. Remember how God in his providence spared Moses' life and he was put into a little ark, a little boat, and floated on the water. And, and remember how Pharaoh's daughter found him and he was reared in Pharaoh's home because God was raising up a deliverer in Moses. So the enemy has worked throughout history turning against Israel. Remember in Esther chapter 3, we won't read the text, but you can look it up. Remember how Haman... He was a court official. He was incensed because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And he plotted this whole strategy to kill all of the Jewish people. All of them exterminate them. The dragon hates the woman. And he hates her child. Remember in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Remember after, after the wise men have come from the east. They said, we saw a star in the east and we have come to worship him. And Herod was disturbed and all of, the, all of Jerusalem with him. And he calls all of his scribe, the chief priests and scribes. And he begins to ask them where this Christ child should be born. Remember? And they said, in Bethlehem. Remember? But then he said, I want you to go and find and then come and tell me when you found him. So I can go worship him too. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And Herod has all of the baby boys two years old and younger killed in Bethlehem. It's the dragon wanting to devour the child. 
So we've seen the woman. Secondly, we see the dragon. But the third is the child himself. Notice in chapter 12, verse 5, she gave birth to a son, a male. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, so that we might become adopted as his children. Amen. God sent forth his own son. Notice this child that was born to the woman. Notice, and he, he, he was a male. He's going to rule all nations. How? With an iron rod. He will be ruler over all the earth. Amen. Amen. And she gave birth to a son, a male. And it says her child was caught up to God and to his throne. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by who Jesus was born, who's called the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. The Magi came. They said, where is he that's been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east. We've come to worship him. The Bible says, I said well ago, Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Because Herod, when Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. And he gathered the chief priests and the scribes and he acquired what time the and where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. In Luke's gospel, chapter number one, it says in the sixth month. Look with me in your Bible. In Luke chapter number one. Verse number 26, you're familiar with this story, the, part of the Christmas story. In Luke's gospel, chapter 1, beginning with verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. And he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. Wow. Mary couldn't understand how that could be, since she's never had relations with a man. But he told her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And this thing will be the holy child born to you. Wow. You see, the child that's born is none other than Jesus Christ, the, our Messiah. Amen. And it says he was born of this woman 
And then it goes rightly to, right away to, and he was caught up into heaven uh, with, the, with God. Well, well, he doesn't give us all this other good stuff that happened in that 33 years between being born and being caught up. But here's John's purpose in, in, in Revelation here is not to give you all of that story because that is the most important story. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But here's the deal. He was born. God sent his son. He became flesh. He was the answer of the promise that was given to Abraham. He was born of a woman. He was came to the nation of Israel. And he is savior of all the world. And this is what Jesus did. He was born and he was laid in a manger in Bethlehem. He was born to an impoverished little young teenage man and woman, but he was supernaturally born into this world. He lived a life for 33 years. He fulfilled the law of God. He was taught us the law of God and the love of God. And Jesus died for our sins, all of yours and all of mine on the cross. And he paid for them in full. And he rose again victoriously out of the grave Praise God. And made a display of all of his enemies. And he has appeared to over 500 at one time. And all the disciples. And then he ascended into heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Until his enemies be made his footstool. Amen. So there's a lot in there. Between his incarnation and his ascension. Right? But that's how he won the victory for us. But here he just gives us the bookends of his Jesus' life, his incarnation, and his ascension. But the victory. How is the victory won? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look, what, look, what we, look at it. And it says in verse number 7, a war broke out in heaven. That seems weird, doesn't it? A war in heaven? You would think there would be no war in heaven. But there's a war breaks out in heaven. It's a war between the good and the evil against Satan, this angelic being in complete insurrection against the purposes and plans of God Almighty. It's the serpent of old. And a war broke out in heaven and Michael, who is that? Michael is an archangel, a chief angel. And he is an angel often depicted as a warrior and a protector of Israel and God's people. He's referred to in Daniel chapter number 10. And in Daniel chapter 10, if you look, have your Bible, you can look with me. Daniel chapter 10 in verse Number 10, Daniel 10, 10, and suddenly a hand touched me and set me, shaking on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you're a man treasured by God. Understand the words I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. And after he said this to me, I stood trembling. Do you think you might be trembling? Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said, for from the first day you proposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard, 
and I have come because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days, he says to this angel. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, this is, he's talking about angels here, came to help me after I'd been left there with the kings of Persia. And I've come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days. For the vision refers to those days. Wow. Notice in verse number 21, Daniel chapter 10, verse 21. However, I will tell you what is recorded in the book of truth. No one has the courage to support me against those princes except Michael, your prince, your angel, your protector. In Daniel chapter number 12, verse number 1, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. And there will be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. There is a mighty warrior that is a part of the angel host. And he is a mighty angel. And his name is Michael. Uh, artists have tried to make pictures of Michael, what he might look like. I'll show you a couple. Here's one. Looks like something you might see in a comic book. It's just a picture. But he's a powerful warrior. Look at that sword dripping with blood. I wish that was in color. Look at the next picture. There's a picture of Michael and Stained glass. Powerful, winged warrior. Hmm. All this is just an artist idea. We don't know what he looks like. One thing I know is he's powerful. And notice what happens in Revelation chapter number 12. Where this warfare breaks out. And it says, And the dragon and his angels also fought in verse number 7. But he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon, now folks, you can applaud right here. The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who's called the devil and Satan, and the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Aren't you glad? And I heard a loud voice in heaven. I like it when it says loud. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been thrown down, cast out, cast out of heaven, cast down to earth, And he will ultimately be thrown into the abyss and then into the lake of fire forever and ever. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, how was that victory secured? 
The hero is found in the next verse. And it says, And they, those who were accused by him, berated by him, beaten down by him, and they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Woo! Got goosebumps all over me. By the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives to the point of death. My friends, we have, indeed, we do have an adversary, the temp, the, Satan himself. He is not only an adversary, he's a tempter. Not only a tempter, he's an accuser. Not only an accuser, he's a liar. Not only a liar, he's a thief. Not only a thief, he's a murderer. He has from the beginning. But he is cast out. And the victory has been won by the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that conquers evil by his love. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that secures our salvation. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us clean. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us access to God. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that secures our standing and our names written in the Lamb's book of life. We are saved by grace through the work of Jesus Christ and Him alone. Only the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives us strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears. It dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest heaven, highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength. From day to day, it will never lose its power. Amen. Amen. You can't overcome by your works. You can't overcome by your righteousness. Your righteousness is not, nothing but filthy rags. You cannot do it by your sacrifices. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. You can't do it by your efforts. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone, as Tope Lady wrote in that great hymn, so what can't wash away my sin? Do you know this old song? What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? For my pardon, this I see. Now, now quit. this is not remedial learning, okay? When I make a statement, you respond nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing can for sin atone. Not of good that I have done. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness. 
Some of y'all quit. And that's why you're losing the victory. Every step of every day, you need to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. You discount that, my friend. You've discounted this Christian life. You think it's your works? It's not your works. It's his work. He's the only one that can make you free. He's the only one that can give you life. It's all that's precious. It's all that's real. And by the word of their testimony, their testimony is they confess, I got nothing else to bring but Jesus, and he's my only hope. Oh, he's an accuser of the brethren. This morning before I came to church, the accuser wanted to accuse me, accuse me. He liked to bring it. Does, do you ever, you ever hear that voice nagging at you about all your old sin stuff? All your failures, all your disappointments, all the way you trip up and fail. You ever have that voice whisper in your ear, you're nothing, you're unworthy, God doesn't love you? Blah, 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 blah. I'm very familiar with that voice. But it's not the voice of the Lord. It's not the voice from heaven. It's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit, I know his voice. He convicts me of my sin. I confess it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he is not an accuser of the brethren. The Holy Spirit will convict me. He'll draw me. He'll woo me. He draws me to the cross. He draws me to Jesus. He draws me to an intimate walk with God. He doesn't cast me away. That's not what he does. There's an old hymn that says, I hear the accuser roar of ills that I have done. I know them all and thousands more. But Jehovah findeth none. Why? Because they're all under the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, the accuser wants to accuse me. He wants to accuse me before God. He has no standing there. He wants to accuse me in my spirit, but he has no place there. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit himself, bears witness with my spirit. that I'm a child of God. And I didn't earn my salvation. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son cleanses me of all of my sin. You can't buy your way to heaven or work your way into a right relationship with him. Amen? Amen. And finally, in this text, Satan is cast out. Persecution is not finished. It goes on. And therefore rejoice, you heavens. Rejoice. Worship. Praise God. He is defeated. And then it says, but woe, woe to the earth and the sea. The devil's come down to you with great fury. He's madder. 
I can say this. Don't send me any emails. He's mad as hell. Because that's going to be his abode forever. And with great fury, he knows his time is short. Let me tell you what. His time is short. There will be great antagonism, hatefulness to the woman and to her offspring. And notice when the, Satan, the dragon had been thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child, who is the woman. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's unusual that all the world is rising up against Israel again? I, I hear the objections. Jewish antagonism and hatefulness of Jews has been going on for years and years and years, centuries. The Jews today are an infinitesimal portion of the world's population. The small little piece of real estate that we call Israel is just a small landmass. When you look at the whole world, it's just a small little... It's, 270 miles by 85 miles. I've been there several times. It's a small place. About the size of New Jersey. There's very few natural resources. There's no oil there. Why all the hatred? Why all the anti-Semitism? Why? I'm not saying that the modern nation of Israel doesn't make mistakes, do things wrong. They do. But why the hatred? Why is it that in this woke culture we're raging against the Jews? And the very people we think that are being oppressed, if they ruled... The oppression would be so much worse. Notice they rage not only against the woman, they rage against, notice, notice, was furious with the woman, went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. These are believing Jews, believers of all types in Christ. Those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. They don't not only hate the Old Testament covenant people, Israel, they hate the new covenant people. They hate Christians. Amen. And you should not be surprised that they will hate you. In this world, you'll have trouble. But I have overcome the world. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, First Peter. Chapter number one. First Peter. <clears throat> chapter number one. 
In verse number three, just listen to the scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. You're being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Aren't you glad? You rejoice in this. Even now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which is though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seen him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible, inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you're receiving the goal of your faith. The salvation of your souls. My friend, this world's not our home. Amen. Don't you hang on tightly to this world. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a Savior. And King Jesus is coming again. Amen. And it all will be set right. I'm telling you, my friends, get your eyes on him. We're going to suffer. We're in an age, an age where we can be involved in evangelism, reaching people, doing missions, loving people, even when they hate on us, even when they misunderstand us, even when they malign us. And we are to love people and preach Jesus Christ and him crucified until Christ comes again. Amen. And I'm telling you, he's already secured the victory. He's going to blow his trumpet and he's coming again. Let's live for King Jesus until he comes. Amen. And here's the perspective you need to have. His time is short. Whose time? The devil's. The clock is ticking. Amen. And King Jesus is coming Amen. any day. Let's live for him till he comes. Yes, Amen. Father in heaven... Thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's true. It's encouraging. It causes me to rejoice. Father, may we lift our hearts and rejoice to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.